Hey folks, Andy Patton here with another episode in our Season in Review series, talking all things Nolan Hickman today. A look at his first season in Spokane, reviewing how he fell against our best and worst case scenarios laid out before the season began, and what his role will look like next year and what that means for Gonzaga. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. It is very, very appreciated to still have people checking out the show despite the basketball season being over. We got a fantastic baseball season going on. More on that on Thursday, but Gonzaga is more than just basketball, and I appreciate all of you who have continued to check out the show and... Those of you who have checked the show out on YouTube, we are growing rapidly on the YouTube channel, trying to get to 1,000 before the start of the basketball season in November. So if you have not gone to the YouTube channel, just search Locked on Zags on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Very much appreciate it. All right, today is yet another, I believe the eighth episode in our Season in Review series, taking a brief but thorough look at every single player on Gonzaga's roster who played last season, talking about their strengths, their weaknesses, how their year went, how it went compared to what we thought would happen when we did these preview episodes back in October, and of course, each player's future in the program. Today, we are talking about the freshman phenom, Nolan Hickman. Hickman was the last of that recruiting class to commit. He obviously had previously committed to Kentucky, was a four-star who became a five-star point guard out of Mount Pleasant, Utah, although he actually grew up in Sammamish, Washington, and began his high school basketball career at Eastside Catholic, a very, very prominent sports high school in the greater Seattle area. He ended up moving to Utah because of COVID and played his final high school season in Utah, so calling him a Utah prospect is a bit misleading. He's a Seattle prospect. He is a local guy who committed to Kentucky, decommitted from Kentucky on April 30th of last season, and committed to Gonzaga exactly two weeks later on the 15th of May. Coming in, there was some question of what his role would look like. Obviously, we knew Andrew Nampard was going to have a significant role for the Zags. Ros Bolton was expected to play a big role. Hunter Salas, another five-star freshman guard on the roster. Lots of talented guards. Hickman settled in pretty much instantly as Gonzaga's pack-up point guard Bolton and Salas were never really asked to run the point. Dominic Harris, of course, was unable to play last year because of injury. So the point guard duties pretty much fell to Andrew Nembhardt most of the time, Nolan Hickman the rest of the time. He played in 32 games for the Zags last year, averaged just over 17 minutes a night. So a very solid role for Nolan. He was playing consistently double-digit minutes every single game. He finished the year averaging 5.1 points, 1.5 rebounds, and 1.3 assists per night. He wasn't the most efficient shooter. He averaged, excuse me, he shot 44.4% from the field, just under 31% from three, and 66.7% 
from the free throw line. He started off the year very strong. This is ultimately the story for Nolan Hickman. He had 11 points in the season opener against Dixie State. He had a career-high 16 against Central Michigan, which I believe was Gonzaga's sixth or seventh game somewhere in there, one of their first 10 games of the season. Uh, But then he kind of fell apart in the second half of the year. Quite frankly, there's not really any other way to put it. Uh, Pretty simple math here, just dividing his season up. The first 18 games of the season, which the the last game there was January 27th against LMU. That was his last game scoring in double digits. He had 11 points in that game. So through his first 18 games, Nolan Hickman was averaging 7.5 points, 1.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. He was shooting just under 50% from the field, and more importantly, 39.7% from three. This dude was nearly a 50-40 shooter in the sense of 50% or greater field goal percentage, 40% or greater three-point percentage. That is really, really rare. And he was right on the cusp, just under 50% from the field, just under 40% from three. He was only at 75% from the free throw line, but still nothing to shake your head at. That was about 20 minutes per game. So Nolan Hickman, through the non-conference slate and the first half-ish of the conference slate, 20 points per game, 7 points, 2 boards, 2 assists on very, very, very efficient field goal shooting. Then the bottom fell out, quite frankly. The the second half of the season or the last 14 games, I guess, not quite the halfway point, but nearly the halfway point for Nolan Hickman. Things really kind of went off the rails. In the final 14 games of the season, Hickman went from averaging 20 points per game to just 13 and a half minutes per game. In that time, his numbers were significantly worse. He averaged 2 points, 1.3 rebounds, 0.6 assists. He shot 31.7% from the field and 5% from three. In the final 14 games of the season, Nolan Hickman attempted 23 pointers. He made one. He made one of them. He also shot 33% from the free throw line in the final 20 games, although that is very misleading as that is just one for three, which happened in that first game on this 14-game stretch. So the final 13 games of the season, Nolan Hickman did not attempt a free throw, and he only made one three-pointer. Effectively, he was a complete non-factor offensively in the final half of the season. I knew, and I think most people listening to this podcast who watched the team quite regularly this season, were aware that Nolan Hickman was not nearly as big of a contributor in the second half of the season as he was in the first half. But I will tell you, as somebody who watched every game and podcasted after every single game, even I was not quite aware of the discrepancy between these two versions of Nolan Hickman. He was a very, very efficient score in his first 18 games. Again, seven and a half points is not a huge number, but seven and a half points in 20 minutes per game while shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 75% from the line, that is really dang good. That's really, really good. But in the second half, he just wasn't there. Two points per game, one for 20 from three, 33% from the free throw. He just wasn't getting to the free throw line. He only took three free throw attempts in the final 15 games of the season. He was just an offensive non-factor. Now, the we'll talk more in the third segment about what his role is going to look like going forward, but ultimately the biggest question that needs to be answered is what, what happened here. The prevailing guess, I suspect, is freshman fatigue. It's 
hard to play a full season of college basketball. It is the games are more more grueling, more exhausting. The talent level is much higher, and they're just longer seasons. The travel, doing it while playing, while being a student athlete, you know, we forget sometimes that these kids, they are going to classes, they are attending school, they are, they do have tests, they have homework, they have speeches, they have to give all of that stuff. And yes, you know, they have assistants, they have people who work with the basketball team. That was one of my jobs early in my career in higher education. So I know that they have some some assistance, but they still have to do it. They still got to do the work. And the transition from high school to college is is very hard. Many people listening know, know about this transition. It's difficult. So perhaps that plus just the fatigue of, of playing a, a exhausting basketball schedule, maybe that got to him. Maybe there was an injury that we did not hear about. Maybe he was dealing with something that was not inhibiting him from playing at all, but maybe not allowing him to play at 100%. We know that that was a big part of Anton Watson's story, his sophomore season, where he missed a big chunk of the freshman year with the injury. And then the sophomore year, he played for most of the year, but wasn't quite himself. Part of that was because he was dealing with the ramifications from that injury. So maybe that's part of the story here. But ultimately, we don't know exactly what happened to Nolan Hickman other than there was a very stark decline in his performance, his ability to make shots, and then really his confidence in the fact that he just kind of stopped going to the rim. He stopped attacking. He stopped being aggressive. And ultimately, because of that, his his minutes fell as well. So we're going to talk more in the third segment about what his role is going to look like next year and what we need to see out of him in order for him to kind of reach that potential that we've seen out of him or that we've ex- hoped to see out of him throughout his time uh, as a Gonzaga commit. But first, we're going to look at the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for Nolan back in October. Before the season started, we talked what we're hoping to see, what the worst case scenarios would be, and we're going to go through those and talk about what ended up happening for Nolan in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bill Barr. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Built Bar has mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two, still in Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking all things Nolan Hickman, the freshman guard from Gonzaga who is entering his sophomore year next year. We're going to talk all about what his future looks like in the final segment, but first I want to bring it back. We're going back in time, talking October of 2021 when we first laid out the best and worst case scenarios for Nolan Hickman. I think these are fun to do. 
in particular with guys like Hickman, where we had much less of an idea exactly what his role was going to look like. The best and worst case scenarios for a guy like Nolan Hickman are pretty spread out. Uh, and as you would expect, he kind of landed a little bit more so in the middle. But these these are not as fun with a Drew Timmy where you kind of knew what you were going to get or Andrew Nempard where you had a better sense of what you were going to get. But they're kind of fun to do with some of these guys where we really weren't quite sure what we were going to get. So back in October, the best case scenario laid out for Nolan Hickman was that he pushes Andrew Nembhard for minutes as the true point guard and maybe even earns a starting role. It's maybe a little bit hard to remember now, but there was a time during this season where there was some legitimate push for Nolan Hickman to start over Andrew Nembhard. That was, it was, I doubt it was ever seriously considered by the coaching staff. They had complete faith in Nembhard, but he went through a rough patch in early November and, or excuse me, in early December, late November, uh, when Gonzaga was really struggling with like the Merrimack of the world and Tarleton State and Alabama. And Nembhard really did not play particularly well. And Nolan was still playing well at that time. That was kind of before his season uh, went off the rails the way that it did. And so there was some, th- this was a legitimately discussed thing amongst at least Gonzaga fans. Um, again, he, he never actually pushed for a starting role. He never started a game this year. I think that, that was probably a, a very, very outlandish best case scenario for him unless uh, Nembhard was unhealthy or obviously did not play up to his potential. But with Nembhard playing as well as he did, there was not really a realistic shot that anybody was going to start over him. Um, best case scenario is that he plays 25 to 30 minutes per night. Yeah, he never quite reached that. That would have been with Bolton, with Nembhard, with Salas. That was always going to be a tough ask. Gonzaga would have had to play a lot more three-guard lineups, which is something they did a fair amount this year. But Julian Strother sucked up a lot of minutes at the three, so there just wasn't a ton of opportunity for more of those three-guard lineups. Again, he played about 20 minutes per game for the first 18 games of the season, and that dropped to the point where his season average was closer to 17 on the year. Best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is he is the team's best three-point shooter. I mentioned he could shoot between 42 and 44% from downtown. Yeah, we didn't get there. We did not get to that. Uh, Again, 39.7% for the first 18 games of the season. So for over half the year, Hickman was about a 40% three-point shooter. So he definitely has the ability and the potential to be a knockdown, lights out, you have to find him on the perimeter caliber three-point shooter. But it fell down so significantly by the end of the year that he he only ended up shooting 30.8%. I think... This could work to an advantage. Most teams are good enough at scouting that they're not just going to look at his basketball reference page, see that he's a 30.8% shooter, and decide not to guard him. But I think that there's going to, he's going to be a sneaky good three-point shooter next year. I think there are maybe going to be people who don't remember that, hey, this is a guy who can really shoot it, and he went on a horrific cold streak last year, but he's not a 31% three-point shooter. That is not an indicative number of how good of an outside shooter Nolan Hickman is. And I think we're going to see that number tick up quite a bit in year two. Best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is he can score at all three levels. He's a good finisher around the rim and in the mid-range. So we saw flashes of this. We definitely saw flashes of this. It was not consistent. Uh, his entire offensive game was not super consistent. Uh, he, he didn't have enough of a role to really flesh out a lot of it as the year went on. Uh, I think this is the biggest difference between him and Nembhard right now. Nemhard is a great facilitator, a great passer, a floor general, a calming presence, all of that stuff that I believe Nolan Hickman, especially as a true freshman last year, he displayed a lot of that. But Nemhard also has a bit more of a killer instinct and absolutely is willing to shoot. Now, it hurt Gonzaga in that Arkansas game, but he had to keep taking those shots because they were good looks. And Nemhard's ability to run the pick and roll and find his spot on the court and hit mid-range jump shots is a huge part of his game. 
We saw glimpses of that from Nolan, but I think that's the biggest thing to see more of from him going forward is how aggressive he can be offensively. Can he get to those spots? Can he get those mid-range shots? He is a good finisher around the rim. He needs to get better at drawing contact. Again, three free throws in the final 14 games of the regular season. Three free throw attempts. It's not going to cut it. You need to you need to be more aggressive. You need to go find your spots. Get into the lane. Lean into some guys. Get some contact. Get to the free throw line. Find some ways to score that way. Next up, Gonzaga's best on-ball defensive player in the best-case scenario. He can match up against bigger guards like Alex Barcelo, and he earns more playing time because of his defense. Yeah, this pretty much was all true about Hunter Salas and not so true about Nolan Hickman. Uh, Nolan Hickman was not a bad defensive player last year. I, I think he there's a I think he might have been Gonzaga's worst guard defensively, but that's more of a testament to how well Hunter Salas, how well Andrew Nembhard, how well, how well Razier Bolton all played on the defensive end. I don't think Nolan Hickman was a bad defensive player last year. I don't think he was particularly great. He's not Hunter Salas in that regard. I don't think he's going to be like a lights out, like this is the dude who matches up with your other team's best player type of defensive player. I don't know that that's in the cards for him, but I think he's going to be an adequate defensive player, and I think you're going to see an improved player on that end of the floor next season. Next up, the final thing for the best case scenario regarding Nolan Hickman. He's a freshman All-American. He's an Overall, All-American, he's a lottery pick in the NBA draft. So these were all very, very, very high-end best-case scenarios for Nolan Hickman. Of course, none of them ended up happening. He, he, Even if he hadn't had that second-half lull, none of this stuff would have happened. He was a very, very good role player for Gonzaga in year one. Mark Few loves to kind of bring guys a guy, bring guys along a little bit slower uh, in, in many situations. This was definitely a situation where from the get-go, Mark Few and the staff kind of identified Hickman and I believe Hunter Salas as well as guys who are going to have their best seasons after their freshman year. And I think that's going to be the case with Nolan Hickman. All right, let's talk about those worst-case scenarios that we laid out for Nolan before the season began. The worst-case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that this is a development year. I, I, I put in my notes uh, back in October, this is not a bad thing. No, it is not, and this was absolutely the case. It was, it was a development year for Nolan Hickman. You'd like to see guys in development years get better as the year goes on. Uh, Salas is a very good example of that as somebody who, who that did happen to. Uh, he's kind of the only one of Gonzaga's kind of younger players where that was the case. Hickman, uh, we've talked about, did not show improvement as the year went on. Caden Perry was hurt for the second half of the year, so he never got to play. Ben Gregg, I, I don't think was, was worse, but he just didn't play enough for us to really see on the court those tangible areas of improvement. They may have been visible in the practices. Hell, Hickman probably got better as practices went along. He just didn't show it in the games. Worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that he plays behind Nemhart in a clear backup number one role. Yeah, again, this wasn't really a worst case scenario. This was just the more likely outcome than him starting over a potential All-American candidate in Andrew Nemhart. Uh, that was very unlikely. Him playing the primary backup role was a pretty likely outcome and obviously what, what the situation was for out, throughout his freshman season. Worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is he plays 12 to 15 minutes per night and is the fourth or even fifth guard. This was recorded before Dominic Harris was out for the entire year. Uh, but frankly, this is sort of what happened. Uh, he played 17 minutes per game throughout the season. But again, in those last 14 games, he was only playing 13 minutes per night. And he fell behind Hunter Salas. He was pretty clearly at that time, the fourth guard. Uh, him and Salas were kind of coming in at the same time, but Mark Few never really fully trusted Hunter Salas, uh, which was something that I talked about during the Hunter Salas review episode is something that I think is, is fair to criticize Coach Few for because I think he, he deserved some of that playing time in Hickman. 
while I think earned himself a lot of leeway because of how well he played earlier in the year, he was really struggling in the second half. And you saw his minutes kind of come down, but I think he ultimately just wasn't wasn't getting the job done uh, in the second half for, for whatever reason. Worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is he's a streaky outside shooter and he only shoots around 33 to 35%. Unfortunately, he was below that even. He was 31% uh, for the season. Uh, Streaky is one way to put it. Uh, Like we said, first half, second half, really significant differences for Nolan Hickman. Uh, I don't think that he is a a 31% three-point shooter going forward. I feel very adamantly about that. I think there's a reasonable chance that this 33 to 35 range is actually uh, lower than what he ends up putting up next year. I think that 40% that he shot in the first 20 games of the year or so uh, is, is a pretty realistic goal for him to shoot that for an entire season. Worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that his decision-making is suspect and he makes mistakes and doesn't have an elite assist-to-turnover ratio. Once again, kind of a situation that it was a tale of two, two seasons for Nolan Hickman. You know, he, he, he finished the season with 1.3 assists per game and 0.7 turnovers per game, which is okay. It's not a great assist-to-turnover ratio. It's also not horrible, especially for a f- true freshman guard in a backup role. Uh, but again, he he was a lot better at this early in the year towards this, towards the... The final few games of the season, he made more careless mistakes. We saw him just kind of have some have some ugly turnovers, which he really didn't have in the first half of the year. Again, was it fatigue? Was it an injury? Uh, was it just bad luck? Just poor timing on when some of those turnovers happened? It's hard to say. Uh, I think Nolan Hickman's a very, very strong decision maker and has a very high basketball IQ. Uh, he obviously has some things to tune up and get better at, but who doesn't? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but I, I do think that those those assist-to-turnover numbers at the end of the year are probably not entirely indicative of his skill set, and we'll hopefully see that bear out next season. Worst-case scenario for Nolan Hickman is he's pushed around by older, more physical guards and is average at best defensively. I don't know that he got pushed around all that much necessarily, but he, he wasn't really asked to guard the other team's best players all that often because Gonzaga relied more on Salas, on Bolton, on Nembhard for those roles. Uh, So I I don't think he had a huge assignment defensively. I thought when he was playing out there, he looked fine. He didn't look intimidated. He didn't look like he was getting bullied around a little bit. Uh, He's still got some stuff to work on on that end of the floor, and certainly getting a little bit bigger and stronger and more physical is going to help. Everybody gets bigger and stronger uh, their second season in college, so I think we'll just kind of see that naturally happen for Nolan Hickman. He was good at stealing the basketball. He, he had pretty good steals numbers throughout the season. So I think his his potential defensively is very high. We just haven't quite seen it all come together for him just yet. And then finally, the last worst case scenario is he's still a potential two and done guy, but it just takes a back seat in year one. And that's what we're going to talk about more in the third segment is, is Nolan Hickman a two and done guy? Is there still a possibility he's a one and done guy? Uh, is he more of a org guy? Kind of what, what we think the future looks like for Hickman. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that a warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. 
I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and no joke, I just bought the part for my car. It came in the mail today as I am recording this. Super convenient, fast shipping, the cheapest price I found out there, absolutely 100% worth it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment three. So many patents still locked on Zag, still chatting Nolan Hickman, the Seattle basketball star who played his freshman season at Gonzaga last year. We're talking about his future now. Obviously, Gonzaga, this is the, the season with the most players up in the air in terms of will they return, will they not return. Obviously, the transfer portal has a huge part to do with that. The extra year of eligibility for players has kind of made it so everybody's a bit more up in the air in terms of whether they're going to return or not. Frankly, I think Nolan Hickman is one of the safer bets on this roster for two reasons. One, he is no longer an NBA prospect for this draft. I just, I don't think were he to declare that he would be a one-and-done guy. Again, he was considered a one-and-done, but he had one-and-done potential even after he decommitted from Kentucky when he came to Gonzaga. I think that that narrative slowed a little bit when we, people realized he was going to go to Gonzaga where he was going to probably play behind Andrew Nembhard. But again, I saw mock drafts up until the start of the Gonzaga, or excuse me, yeah, up until the start of the Gonzaga basketball season saying, hey, this is a guy who could go in the top 20. He could go in the first round. He's you know going to go in the second round, whatever. He stopped showing up on those draft boards, uh, even before he had his kind of second half struggles. He he was just wasn't playing enough minutes. Same with Hunter Salas, where it's just that these guys aren't getting enough exposure to likely be uh, draft picks next year. They're kind of, it, it felt all along like he was probably going to be a two and done guy. And frankly, at this point, right now, Nolan Hickman is the starting point guard on Gonzaga's roster in the 22-23 season. He is the guy. When you look at who is currently on the roster, Assuming Andrew Nampart is leaving, which is the general assumption by pretty much everybody at this point, even if Roz Bolton comes back, I don't think he would be the point guard. Uh, Hunter Salas likely coming back. He's not going to play the point guard. The only other primary competition for that spot is Dominic Harris. And I think while, while I think Dom's going to play a fair amount next year, I think he's more of a combo guard. He's less of a traditional point guard. So Hickman's the guy. So if we're assuming he's not going to the NBA... I don't see any reason why Nolan Hickman would transfer at this point. The starting point guard position at Gonzaga is pretty dang lucrative. There are not a whole lot of more appealing jobs out there than being the starting point guard at a school that has consistently churned out elite talent from the guard positions. So I don't see why he would transfer to go somewhere else. Nobody else is going to offer him that kind of the, the keys to the kingdom at a program like that. So I think he's I think he's pretty well set. I think that you know obviously Gonzaga could bring in a high profile transfer. There are names out there, Nigel Pack, Jermaine Cousnard, like there there are other names, Kendrick Perkins. Like, yeah, there there are names out there that I think if Gonzaga were to get them, they would probably be Gonzaga's starting point guard next year. And that could make Nolan Hickman think a little bit. It could be a bit of a challenge to him. But ultimately I think the fact that Gonzaga has missed out on a lot of the targets that they've been viewing in that in that spot. You know, they didn't get Sky Clark after he decommitted from Kentucky. They didn't get Anthony Black, who decided to go to Arkansas instead of coming to Gonzaga when he had been pretty heavily favored to come to GU for a long time. 
They, Jameer Young was a transfer on the market who just recently named his top six and Gonzaga was not in it. Mark Sears was a guy who Gonzaga was considering before he ended up transferring somewhere else. I think part of that is because of the talent Gonzaga already has. I think Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas being these five-star guards, being these guys who are already showing up on next year's mock drafts, is probably not putting them in a position to land a high-profile guard transfer or recruit this year because people think, hey, look, their their backup or their their backcourt is already set. Their guard rotation is already established for next year. It's going to be it's going to be Hickman. It's going to be Salas. It's going to be Dominic Harris. It's going to be a fourth guy. And that's kind of where I think Gonzaga is going to fill that gap with a transfer, somebody who's not necessarily coming in expecting to play 30 to 32 minutes per night. That, to me, signals that they're pretty darn comfortable with Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris being the primary guards on next year's roster. So what does that mean for Gonzaga? Well, it means that Nolan Hickman is going to have to be more consistent. I think that's pretty obvious based on how his first and second half of his seasons went. Uh, I think he's going to have to really be be more aggressive offensively. I think that's the biggest thing that we really need to see from him. He he didn't show in the second half of the season. He just not only was he not knocking down the shots that he would normally knock down, he stopped taking them. And I understand why. It's not surprising when you're a true freshman, your team is in the thick of you know competing for a WCC championship and then making you know getting the WCC ring in Vegas and then also in the NCAA tournament. Like those are a lot of high pressure games, games that weren't as high pressure for Nolan at the beginning of the season. So he needs to. He kind of just took a step back and said, "We'll let Drew take care of it. We'll let Andrew take care of it. We'll let Chet take care of it." Uh, And I think next year those guys aren't going to be there. So Nolan needs to be a guy who's willing to go get a bucket. And they have other players on the roster. It's not like he's going to be the the primary offensive threat. That's not going to be his role next year unless the roster really breaks down in a significant way. I just don't think that's what's going to be asked of him. But I do think, like I mentioned before, the big difference between Hickman and Nembhard in the, the time that we have seen both of them is that Nembhard was more willing to go find a basket to go aggressively come off of a pick and roll looking to hit a mid-range shot or go all the way to the rim. Hickman just hasn't quite displayed that yet. He was a true freshman playing 17 minutes per night in one season. This is a small sample size of data and is not necessarily indicative of what kind of player he is going to be going forward. But that would be a change. That would be something I would like to see him do differently next season is go be more aggressive looking for a shot. I'm not super worried about the three-point shot. One for 20 down the stretch is pretty darn brutal. Don't get me wrong. But that does not mean that Nolan Hickman is not a good three-point shooter. It means that he was a streaky three-point shooter who, for you know, potentially a variety of reasons, just didn't have it at the end of the year. He just, he just wasn't knocking him down as the season went down. And that was frustrating. And it was Julian Strother had a similar situation. His wasn't quite as long of a period of time. But Strother, you know, I think he went one for 14 in the NCAA tournament. So we had a couple guys who just couldn't find their shot when they needed it at the end of the year. If Hickman can come in, can play a full season, you know, not have these kind of lull periods, not have a a second half slump. If he can come in and play a full season, he can direct the offense. He can improve defensively, which I do think is just going to happen as he gets stronger, as he gets another year. Now that he has a full year of experience under his belt 
At the college level, he understands more of what's being asked of him defensively in Mark Few's system. He understands the opposing teams that they're playing. He's familiar with many of the opponents he's going to go up against. I think that that's going to help him just naturally improve defensively. But I think the biggest thing is if we see him be more aggressive offensively, hunt for his shot, get to the rim, get to the free throw line, convert that way, I think he's going to be a huge part of next year's roster. Now, do I think that he's going to be a two-and-done player? That's the big question. These Both these guys, Salas and Hickman, have kind of been lab- gotten this two-and-done label really prematurely. I mean, frankly, they were labeled potential one-and-done guys before they'd ever set foot on a, on a college basketball court, which outside of guys like Chet Holmgren uh, and Paolo Bancaro and players like that is probably pretty, <laughs> pretty aggressive pretty early. We've seen a lot of guards who didn't quite do what people expected them to do as a freshman and then exploded as sophomores. John Morant is a primary example of that. Jaden Ivey at Purdue this season, big example of that. So there's a possibility for these guys to really pop as sophomores. I think it's more likely, and I believe I answered this in a Mailbag Monday question, I believe it's more likely that Hunter Salas will take that leap and be like a legitimate star and a potential lottery pick next year. I think Hickman, I'm not sure that his game translates to like lottery pick caliber NBA player. I think his game translates very well. Similar to Nembhard. Nembhard at no point in his collegiate career, despite being one of, if not the best point guard in the country, Nembhard was never really ever considered a surefire NBA guy. Like a first, he was rarely, if ever mocked in first rounds. He just, his, his size, his spotty outside shooting, just he the, the the lack of like explosive athleticism. He's a good athlete. So is Nolan Hickman. But they're not, you know, they're not John Morant. But they're dunking on seven foot dudes uh, with ease. You know, or Hunter Salas, who's capable of doing that. So I think Hickman is more of a. I, I think the fact that he's not likely going to pop so much athletically that he's like a, a no doubt surefire lottery pick. I think that makes it more likely that he is more than just a two and done guy. Salas, I think could could definitely be a two and done guy. Hickman, I could see him being a four-year guy. I could see him being a three-year guy. I could see him kind of establishing himself and and working his way up, steadily improving every season until by the time he's a senior or even a junior, he's like, hey, that dude's maybe the best point guard in the country. Or he's like on the short list. He's the Bob Cousy Award finalist every year. Like that, He is one of the best dudes at just leading a team, regulating the offense, being consistent on both ends of the floor. I really believe Nolan Hickman has that potential in his future. I don't know if he's going to get quite to that threshold as a sophomore. But again, part of it is is needing to answer that that overall question that we've had about Nolan Hickman, which is kind of what happened in the second half. If he was hurt, if he was playing injured, and he's fully healthy going into next year— there's some real optimism that unless he gets hurt again, that that's not going to happen, that he's going to finish the year shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. And if he's playing 28 minutes per night, that could be 12 points, five assists, 40% shooting from three. That's awesome. That, that, that puts you in the conversation as one of the best point guards in the country right there. So it kind of depends on on how he can rebound from, from an ugly end of the season how he can kind of get his head right if that's what he needs to do, uh, get his legs under him so he's got, you know, so his fatigue isn't an issue, uh, get healthy if that's what the issue was. Again, we don't know what caused all of this necessarily, but if he can correct that, I think he's got a great chance to be one of 
the best point guards in the country during his Gonzaga career, maybe as soon as next season. Either way, the keys to the kingdom are his. Unless something changes in the transfer portal, he is going to be Gonzaga's starting point guard on the first game of the season in 2022. And I think that's a good thing. I think we should be happy about that. I know there's people who are going to be a little concerned about not having a super experienced point guard, but Nolan Hickman is a absolute dude. And I think he's going to have a really, really strong second season in Spokane next year. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got one more of these coming on Friday, as well as a look at GU's baseball program, among other things, on Thursday's show right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now's a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.